Welcome to Sweet Talk. This broadcast is brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts and the format is conversational. We will be having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and in all cases, difference makers. Now, let's get started with Sweet Talk. Welcome. Uh, this is uh, Jason Batalden. I'm welcome to our sweet podcast uh, this wonderful morning. Today is our Halloween special. And, right? Yay! It's kind of amazing we can actually have a Halloween special. And so it, it, uh, we're hoping for kind of epic Halloween special. So no pressure on our guest today. Our guest, and I'm going to let her introduce herself, but our guest is Brenda Pates. And uh, she is an Idaho master naturalist, which just from our audience, please do not Google that term. So you might get in trouble. I, I, we learned the hard oh, way. Oh, dear. Yeah. Naturalist has many meanings. <laughs> you can apply naturalist to a lot of different things. So anyway. Oh, that's funny. Anyway, so Brenda, please, before I get uh, myself in trouble, uh, talk, introduce, tell, tell us about yourself just okay. a little bit. Okay. So I'm Brenda Pace. I am actually a retired archaeologist. Oh, wow. I earned both bachelor's and master's degrees here in these very hallowed halls. Oh, wow. <laughs> back, in, back in the 1980s, yep. <laughs> and then I went on to have a career as a professional archaeologist for three decades at the Idaho National Lab. Um, and I retired, though. I was able, lucky and able to retire early. And so now that I get to choose what I do every day, um, I've found a lot of satisfaction in volunteering my time with groups like the Idaho Fishing Game and uh, other federal agencies, uh, mostly related to wildlife. Um, and I've found that one of my favorite topics and areas to dedicate my time now is to bats um, and their conservation and research on them. Which brings us to why this is our Halloween special. <laughs> bats. <laughs> bats. Bats. So, um, well, I, I warned you before we started this. I did. I said that uh, my wife is sort of fascinated with bats. Yeah. And so uh, she has a whole list of questions I'm supposed to ask yes. uh, today on this. Uh, I um, am not very familiar, I mean, with bats. Mm -hmm. I know we have them. Yes. Um, and I know that uh, they're a lot smaller a bat is than I ever oh. had pictured. So this kind of yeah. goes into those myths. But yep. before we go any farther, why do you like bats? What was it? That you know, as an, as an archaeologist, I spent a lot of time with bats because I got to do a lot of research oh. in lava tube caves yeah. and spent time there. So I hung out with bats <laughs> for many, wow. many years and just got curious about them. And I was really, really lucky because there are some fantastic folks that live here in eastern Idaho wildlife biologists by training and education who w were willing to mentor me and help me learn about bats and 
find really nice opportunities to sort of give back to them because they're kind of vulnerable right now in our modern world. Yeah. Yeah, So they're very sensitive to uh, climate, climate change, habitat, changes, there's so. diseases that are threatening their very existence. Um, and, and green energy is also a threat to them in the form of, of wind towers that have been erected along their migratory corridors. That's echolocate. They're fantastic at echolocation. That's how they move through their world. They send out sound and that bounces back to their ears and nose structures. And so they that's how they they operate in their world. Um, but wind towers are, are a problem because they move so quickly. They look like gentle giants, but they're really going 300 miles an hour. And that echolocation just doesn't have that in its, in its, in its history. And, and so they're, oh they're harmed by wind towers pretty significantly. So, they're, so bats are vulnerable, and it right. feels really good to be able to devote some of my time to helping to understand their basic ecology mm-hmm. and, um, and helping the biologists to know how to maybe mitigate some of those losses that we're seeing from wind towers and, and disease. So you had mentioned earlier that bats, you got to know them because of caves. Right, yes. So dumb question of the day, mm. they live where? I mean, where do bats live? <laughs> That's a great In question. only? I mean, no, 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 no. So uh, there are 14 species of bats okay, that p- patrol the night skies in the summertime here in Idaho. Some of them are migratory, okay. and some of them stay here for the winter. You can't spend a winter in Idaho outdoors. No, no. No. So they hibernate just like grizzly bears. No kidding. Yes. So the species that stay in Idaho hibernate. So hold on just a minute. Yeah. You know this week is fat. Well, we have fat, fat bear, bear fat bear week. Oh. National park, they do fat bear week. Because they get really fat. Yeah. Maybe we should do a fat bat. Week. You know, because I'm assuming they got to get fat great. before they go hard. They do. <laughs> and their studies show that the ones that get really fat, the fat bats survive the winter better and they fight off disease better. See, that's the same thing I tell my wife when she tells yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I could fight, I fight off disease. We're good mammals, right? <laughs> I don't move real fast. <laughs> you know, you. You put me, I stay there, I don't move. Yes, yeah, that'd yeah, make a good yes, bat. Yeah. So yeah, so <laughs> I I've I've been fortunate in my career to be able to spend a lot of time in lava tube caves. And because there are sensitive archaeological materials in caves and sensitive biological, including bats, um, I was able to kind of work with those biologists out at the Idaho National Lab. Um, and they helped me to understand the needs of bats and how sensitive they are in the wintertime because they go deep into torpor. They reduce their heart rates down to 10 beats per minute. Oh when, and when they're foraging act, actively for insects, they're beating like a thousand beats per minute. So they've, I mean, and they, they, shut, down. they shut down. Their temperature goes to ambient, which is from 28 to 40 degrees. <laughs> so they do that That's all amazing. winter long. And, and, but to do that, they have to be fat. They right. got to go into hibernation fat. And if they're awakened frequently, they'll burn all their fat reserves and can starve to death in the wintertime. So they need a nice quiet lava tube or old mine shaft or abandoned building. Buildings. Yeah. So I was going to survive. I was bringing that a uh, redfish lake, huh? the yeah. lodge at redfish. They, yeah. I don't know. It's been a few years since we've been up there, but we would, we camped up there one year and we'd come down to where the you know lodge is right there on the lake. Uh-huh. And if you came down in the early evening, you could see all the bats coming out. Oh, like that's a fun thing to wall. do. The walls. Yes. Are, so I don't know. I mean, I'm sure if yes. you're a homeowner, you're like, ah. Yeah, bats. yeah. But it was pretty, 
Yeah. First of all, the whole I you I know. let's start with the, I, this is fascinating <laughs> to me. But bats are not very big. You no, know, they're I had not. This, we're talking about myths, right? We yeah. talked earlier about myths of bats. Yeah. You know, the giant vampire bats and the bats that we're mm-hmm. all scared of. Yeah. We don't, the, those are not the bats we're talking about. No, that live in Idaho. especially not here in Idaho. Right. All the bats that live in Idaho are relatively small. Their wingspans will range from seven, five to seven inches out to about nine to 10 inches. Um, there, there's 14 different species. Um, they're small mammals. And one of the myths I like to address is that. Uh, uh, bats are like flying mice. A lot of people think that bats, they kind of look like mice. They're small and brown and furry. They are small mammals, but they're very, very, they're not even remotely related to mice. They're not remotely related to rodents. Um, They're long lived. Did you know that bats can live to be sometimes 40 years old in the wild? No, I did not. Do mice live that long? (laughs) No. No, they don't. They're very short-lived. And the other thing that's different between mice and and bats is that bats have one baby or pup per year. That's what they call Yep, they call bat babies pups. So they only have one per year, sometimes twins. So they're very long-lived, and they reproduce very, very slowly. So they're very, very different from mice. yeah, so that's one of the myths I like to address. Sam. I know that a lot of people think that bats are blind. Are bats blind? No, bats aren't blind either. They see about as well as we do, actually, um, just generally. And they see quite well at night. I'm kind of blind. The way no. yeah, I am too, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But they, the way that they see their world is through echolocation. So they're... They have specialized vocal cords and specialized receivers in their ears and their membranes around their faces. So they bounce sound off of objects in their environment to know where they're at. That's how they see. They mm. see so well through echolocation, they can see any, so they can see things as fine as a human hair. They can't see color. That's about the only thing they can't see when they're echolocating. The other cool thing about echolocation is each species has a slightly different frequency and shape to their echolocation calls. So you can record bats with a bat detector and then actually download that data and see what different species you have um, around you. Yeah, it's really, it's that this echolocation is an amazingly sophisticated way to get around the world. And so bats aren't blind and they're not dumb. They're not gonna get caught in your hair or try to bite you on the neck. What they want to do is eat the in, eat the insects, eat the mosquitoes that are flying around your head, yeah, or yeah. the moths that are that are terrorizing your tomato plants. Right. Well, you know, it's I think where I've encountered bats, you know, um, and I'm not that I I'm not a you know I don't go out looking for bats. I probably I kind of want to now, but yeah, it's fun um, to do. You know, like around like lights at dark dark yeah. night, if there's something you can see, or if yeah. you're sitting at that outside in, in that right dusk hour you see these little things mm-hmm. fly back and forth and yep those are kind of cool so you, it's fun to go out and look, they're, look so at bats they're that quiet way. and they're silent flyers they are yeah they're, they're just sometimes creatures. they make a little bit of chatter those those echolocation pulses are way high very high frequencies so we can't hear them with our ears mm-hmm. um, but sometimes they'll chatter at each other and squeak a little bit so you can kind of hear some of those calls but those echolocation calls are very very high frequency bats are not loners either right? mostly mostly not they're, they're calling actually they're um they 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 roost in colonies okay. they roost in bat boxes or in 
old cabins or houses. Um, they uh, some some species are more solitary than others. Okay. So there are some bat, some of the migratory tree bats kind of hang out by themselves, except during certain times of the year when they need to get together to procreate. Oh, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> got to do that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. right. Um, but, yeah, they tend to roost in, in groups. And certainly, they um, bats are very doting mothers. So mm -hmm. they'll they'll become pregnant and be pregnant over the win their winter hibernation and give birth in the spring, usually to one pup or sometimes twins. And that little pup will stay with that mother bat for a year, a full mm -hmm. year. So those that migrate teach their pups where to go Don't. on their migration. Those that hibernate teach their pups where the, where the wintertime place is oh. and how to get there. Um, so for the first couple of months when they learn to fly, um, usually July, August timeframe, there are tons of young bats all over Eastern Idaho on training wheels, if you will, and their moms are watching closely. Um, but those are times when, when they're giving birth and training those young pups mm -hmm. that they congregate together in oh. fairly sizable maternity they, they colonies. They get together for a school. Like they, they do, yeah, take the, like the bat pups school. to kindergarten and they learn how to do all that's the right. things. That's right? right, that's right. And in the wintertime, they also congregate into, into groups. Right. For their well, hibernation. and that would help too, I suppose, with any heat. Well, yeah, I guess just being together. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So, I all right, I'm gonna ask the guest for Brenna. What is your favorite species of bat in Idaho? Oh, gosh, um, <laughs> I'm real partial to one that's called a western small footed myotis. It's a small brown bat. Uh, he kind of so you know, this this size, just real small. Um, I, impartial to them because I've, I've counted them on hibernation counts. So in the wintertime, we go in and count bats. One way to determine how well they're doing is to go count them while they're hibernating. We go in and out really fast because we don't want to wake them up because that will, um, it's hard for them. They'll burn too much fat stores if they wake up. Um, so we're in and out quickly, but we count them. And the little western small-footed myotis back themselves into these cracks in these caves. And so all you can see is their tiny little face, which is about as big as your thumbnail. And he, they look like little bandits. They kind of have black, black masks. They're adorable. They're just, they're just really cute. And they love mosquitoes and other flying insects, which also love me. So I love it oh, that these right. bats will eat, right. will eat insects. That's, that's <laughs> so it's sad, but going back to just kind of that myth thing a little bit real quick. Mm -hmm. Bats are nocturnal. Yes, they are nocturnal for sure. I mean, because that's when the insects come out. There yes. you go. I need, yep. to, I need that's to ask, why. think before you ask a yep. question. Right? Everything, yeah. really, bats are like nature's bug zappers, seriously. They are, they are incredible, um, incredibly um, voracious predators of, of insects, of nocturnal insects. Yes. So yes. how many insects can a bat typically consume? Oh, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that because they eat like up to a third of their body weight in, in insects every night. If you equate that to us, do you like Big Macs? Yeah. You'd have to eat like 65 Big Macs to equal that in terms of in, that rate and of consumption. And mosquitoes aren't very big. No, they're not. They're not. So they're consuming a lot. Lots of insects. And pregnant or lactating females, so the doting moms, they'll eat the equivalent of their body weight in insects every night. They, it's amazing. They, they've done studies um, on agricultural fields, mostly in the Midwest, mm -hmm. 
But they say there's a great scientific publication out there that, that shows that bats contribute um, around hundreds of millions of dollars to the agricultural industry here in Idaho alone. And nationwide, that goes up to the, into the hundreds of billions of dollars. By insect control. By insect control. It's non-toxic, it's non so, free pest control. Okay. So is there an agricultural um, program to... To preserve bats? Preserve bats or to... Um, you know, breed bats or to... We may, we may see that in the future because bats are being um, hit very, very hard by a disease called white nose syndrome, especially in the east. It's been moving west, but it has hit the east extremely hard. And one species of bat, the little brown bat, yeah. um, it's, um, it's, it's potentially going to have to be listed as an endangered species because of the huge losses. And the farmers back east have been noticing how much more they're having to invest in pet use of pesticides and different insect control things because of the loss of those little brown bats. So we may see some programs in the future to help bats. White nose is terrible. It's, it's a hard disease is for bats here? to fight. Is white nose here? It's not here in Idaho yet. It's slowly marching west. It's been found in California, the Dakotas, Wyoming. It's all around us. Also, a few years ago, um, Hiking um, at Craters of the Moon. Oh yes. They um, they basically, if you had hiked in another cave in uh -huh. another national park, yep. they said you cannot hike our caves because of a spread of rabies. Currently, it's white nose. It's white because of this. It is the white nose okay. disease that they're very very concerned about. Because what white nose is is a an exotic fungus. It comes from Europe. It hit in two thousand and six. It hit New York and it began to wipe out bats. Millions of bats have died from white nose disease. From the, and the disease is caused by this fungus. What happens is it hits bats when they're hibernating. Oh. It's a little bit like athlete's foot. It makes them itch, it attacks their wing membranes. And what happens if you wake a bat up a lot during the winter? Yeah. It'll starve to death. It, and so they don't really die from the fungus. You don't die from athlete's foot, right? but they die because they are awakened too much during their torpor and they eventually starve to death. So it's a hard, hard disease to fight. The other thing it does is when it hits a population of hibernating bats, it wipes out up to 95% of that colony. Now for a species that reproduces so slowly, one baby per year and lives to be 40 years old, it's very, very difficult to overcome those kinds of losses. And so that's why little brown bats are in, are in trouble. So maybe we'll see some programs in the future that sponsor and help oh, bats help out. That. So yeah. kind of along that line, and, and where, I, I don't I'll ask, where do you go find bats? And should we go find bats? Sure. I mean, that kind of goes back to Paul's question. I mean, yeah. I mean, where do we go f find bats in Southeast Idaho? Yeah. And, when we, if we do, what things should we keep in mind? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we don't want to be disturbing them, but you know, we want to. Like, it's they're, fun. They're fun. It's fun to see them. It really is. Um, I've been surprised by um, the the growth of programs at local zoos. So the zoo in Idaho Falls has a bat night, has three or four bat nights throughout the summer. I think the zoo here in Pocatello um, has a similar kind of program where you can actually go and, and meet with wildlife biologists who study bats and they'll have bat detectors and they'll, and you'll get, to, because parks where zoos tend to be located are great places for bats because there are so many insects there. Mm. 
So even in the absence of a bat walk or a bat program formally, you can go, go to a park at dusk, that golden hour just between dusk and a half hour after, when you can still see the sky and you can, still, you can see bats flying around and foraging for insects around you. I'd encourage everybody to do that. Um, another thing you can do is go to like, one of my favorite places is the dock on the Buffalo River up in Island Park. Yeah. You can sit there after at sunset and just sit there and you know with your favorite adult beverage and watch thousands of bats just flying and catching all the all the mosquitoes so they're not going to bite you. They're, the bats are taking care of that for you. So um, any place where there's there's quiet water or sure. large trees sure. and that golden hour between sunset and a half an hour after you'll see bats. Very good. Yeah. Now do they do they how far like from where they roost to they're, you know, they, it, I'm assuming they don't have to travel very far to find insects from where they hang. I mean, they, yep. they probably know what neighborhood to yeah. set up house in. Yeah, right? they do. They generally do. And they always need to have water, too. So they'll pick those places that have a little bit of water and, yeah. a, little, and a lot of insects, insects, and they're happy. All right, so that, Brenda, Brenda, doggone it. <laughs> I, I am That's okay. I'm stop this. <sighs> so that's the end of... The, our 25th minute timer up, but so fast. Um, real quick, uh, I before we sign off, yes. you have some information that you want to share. Sure. And if you're interested uh, in learning more about bats, um, Bat Conservation International, and their website is batcon.org, and not mm -hmm. to be confused with Sammy, a Batman convention, right? <laughs> this is not a Comic Con <laughs> site. What's a good Batman. way? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would. It would. But it's bat, a good way to remember it. It is, right? So <laughs> B-A-T-C-O-N, batcon.org yeah. to get more information on bats. They and, have great and we can get information. information about Idaho bats too there, right? Bats in general on okay. bat, at bat, BatCon International. And mm -hmm. I would say if you want to know about bats locally, go to the zoo. Talk okay. to the folks at the zoo or at, or at Idaho Fishing Game. There's some game. really great people at Fishing Game that can help you understand bats. And if you have trouble with bats or you're afraid of bats, you find one on the ground that you're not sure of, Idaho Fishing Game is definitely the person, the people that you should talk to for those situations. Very good. That's okay. important. Look, this was a fantastic was fun. conversation. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. So, thank you. Uh, Brenda, this, I am so glad you came all the way down from Idaho Falls to talk to us today. Uh, and uh, we learned a lot. And again, I think we ran into that 20 minute time thing that's no fun. So but fast. thank you for coming. Yes. Uh, thank My you. My pleasure. And always, if you need to get a hold of, hold of us, uh, we're at Continuing Education Workforce Training here at ISU. That is, catch us on, uh, look us up online at ctrain.isu.edu. Uh, that is ctrain.isu.edu. And our phone number, 208-282-3372. Exactly what he said. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank and you. thank you. Thank yes. you. Happy Halloween. Yes, Continuing Education Workforce Training Suite is comprised of professionals dedicated to serving your educational needs.
We understand that when it comes to your future, it's all about you. Because our staff and faculty have real-world experience actually doing what they teach, our students obtain the skills and knowledge they are looking for to be competitive in today's marketplace. For more information, please visit our website, ctrain.isu.edu. That is ctrain.isu.edu. Or call us at 208-282-3372. No, I an don't Easter want... egg question. So my wife says, Jason, would you please ask her about bats? Oh, I was going to ask about bat boxes. Well, bat boxes, but the yeah. the bat sex question. Yeah. So bats, and I understand in colony, they yeah. actually, when their colony gets too big, they can actually, what's the term, become sterile or limit the ability to get pregnant? Yeah, so they, yeah. They so they when they they have sex in the summertime, mm -hmm. right? When times are good and everything, so, or in the fall, uh, just before their migration or their hibernation. So the females go into hibernation probably with, probably pregnant. Mm -hmm. And they can choose, the, the females can choose internally somehow, whether or not that, that fetus will develop into a pup. Oh, they can. They can, yep. And I would imagine it so has to do with, you know, if they're, if they're starving, yeah, if they're starving, um, um, the changes that are happening habitat-wise and climate-wise and everything may be happening too fast for them to actually sense that, oh, it's going to be bad here next year. I probably shouldn't have a baby, you oh, know, yeah, but so, so, so it's but still a mystery, but they have, it is, there's they, a lot of stuff about bats that's still a mystery. Because they're so hard to study. They really are difficult to study. <laughs> well, if they hide in crevices and they're right. the size of your thumbnail, right, how do right. you ever find them? Right. Um, and so that brings up the other question, yeah, bat, boxes. bat boxes. Do they work? Is they do. Worth so you want to put bat I, I want I would. to put bat boxes in my house. I hate yeah. mosquitoes. I've got one up. I haven't. It hasn't been used yet, so I'm going to move it. Right. Okay. So, you so do. don't get set on a place. Well, let me let me back up for just one second. If you have bats in your garage or in your shed or somewhere you don't want them, definitely put a bat box up near that location right. because you can then exclude them. You got to do it at the right time of year because you don't want to seal them in. Right. And you'd also don't really want to mess with them when if it's a maternity colony because okay. then the moms can get separated from the pups and that is no just good. cruel and unusual. Yeah. So, um, so, so. It, right this time of year is actually a good time to exclude them because the pups are all out flying oh, and right. everybody's everybody's either thinking about hibernating or migrating and right now they could still if they were going to hibernate in your shed they would have they'd be able to find another spot probably to hibernate um, but if you put a bat box up near your shed on the wall of your shed you know wherever but nearby then they're likely to actually maybe try that out okay. as a roost. Very good. so they do work they do all right they do all right, we're thank you. Yeah, you're thank welcome. You. Right. Thank you. It was fun. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs>